Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. My name is Tracy Ariel and I am unapologetically Canadian. And today we're interviewing Lucy Anglin, who is uh, my good buddy from Genealogy Ensemble. She's another genealogy family history writer, and she's also a textile artist that I'm so looking forward to introducing you to. Um, Lucy, how are you doing? I'm fine, Tracy. Thanks for um, setting this up. Yeah, I'm so excited. I think it's really fun uh, talking to local artists and uh, because a lot of my listeners are creative entrepreneurs, so they like to know how other small business people function, uh, particularly when they don't actually consider themselves business people, but more artists and uh, writers. So it's a fascinating world. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess we should start with um, how you started your artwork, because I think that's something that people don't know much about. So why don't we start about you as a textile artist? All right, because um, I was going to answer a lot of your questions with two parts, because um, I wear two creative hats. I write genealogy stories about my ancestors, and I create bronze-like sculptures with recycled fabrics. Um, so you'd like to talk about the sculptures first? Yeah, I think, well, I think we start with that and then we can, uh, but if you want to, you can compare and contrast to your writing side, because I think it's kind of interesting how the two feed into each other. Mm, okay. Well, um, I'll start with my favorite sculpture is probably my first. Her name is Catherine. Uh, nine years ago, I took a one day workshop with a friend and created Catherine. Um, the armature was already made and waiting for us, which saves some time. For the workshop and you, then we use tin foil to bulk up the wire armature into a more human-like body shape and then we took um, strips of old cotton t-shirts that we dipped into a fabric hardener called power tex and draped them around the armature eventually making what looked like a mummy wrap so now we had a tall figurine all wrapped up like a mummy still not very impressive <laughs> Then the fun began. <laughs> then the fun began as we dipped old lace and cotton pieces and dressed our sculptures. And I used my daughter's christening dress in the sculpture, so she was bound to have extra sentimental value. And the old christening dress was a, oh, yeah. it was a very thin, thin old cotton, obviously, because I think it had been her grandmother's uh, christening dress as well. So now it's in the sculpture, and I get to enjoy it. Um, all the time instead of just looking into a tissue covered um, box in a drawer somewhere. And at the end of the day, yeah, exactly. You've to, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, so you've you've created an actual piece of art. Yes, and with uh, something that's you know so special, and you can use all kinds of uh, mementos and things. Um, 
one lady came to me and her mother was a flapper dancer in the 30s. And she brought me a piece of her mother's uh, lace and said, can you make me a sculpture of a flapper dancer? Or actually, I interviewed her and asked what her mother was like. And she told me she was a flapper dancer. So I said, aha, that gives me a wonderful idea. So I made a lovely little figurine uh, flapper dancer uh, wearing her mother's lace and uh and I all my I like to put action into my sculptures so she's actually in a sort of flapper dancer pose you can sort of imagine that I hope and uh, the lady was just thrilled when I yeah a little bit well maybe we'll pardon I'm thinking that maybe I should get you to send me a um a copy of a picture of Catherine and a picture of the flapper dancer so that um uh people can look at the show notes to see what these actually look like I will do that it's kind of hard to imagine these. They, they really do look like, they look like miniature bronze statues, well, that's, that's exactly. except that they're made of yeah. cloth. Um, so um, at the end of the day, at the end of the workshop, that one day, in that one day, and I'd never done this before, I had Catherine and she just surprised me so much. I, I was hooked. She was so elegant and regal, but with a touch of whimsy. And um, I sort of continued, that was sort of, I guess, me coming out in sculpture, because most of my sculptures that follow her are very similar, very um, whimsical is, is, the, is what most people say. And it, I find that a biggest compliment they could give me. So now I've made like, um, yeah. I, I've made over 150 sculptures to date. And I have a web page, myname.com. Uh, if you'd like to see all the sculptures, they're all there. So um, it's I, I'm I'm hooked. I love it. Um, every time I sit down at my workbench, I uh, with my little wire armature. It's it's um, just a piece of wire, and at some point during the process, it turns into um, a little personality. It it I can't. It does. It sounds funny, but it, they sort of talk back to me. So sometimes I'll be putting their arm up in the air or something, and. Somehow I know they don't want it up there. They want it down. <laughs> and I will listen to the best of my ability. <laughs> and uh, they always, um, always delighted, always surprised. All the sculptures surprise me. I start with an idea, but they're always uh, very different at the end and always surprise me. It's Well, I usually make them mostly in a day or two. And when they've um, been created and sitting on my in my studio, I can't wait in the morning after a night's sleep to go down and see them because they happen so quickly and they're just, they just surprise me. <laughs> oh, that's so fascinating in writing. That's called panzer writing. When you, um, when you discover the story as you write uh-huh. it. Um, so I guess you're a pansy artist, a panzer artist. I like that. I like that. <laughs> that's I fabulous. Like that. Um, yeah. So you're discovering who your sculptures are yeah. as you make them. And, um, well, um, one of my sculptures um, I put outside in the garden, and her name is Quinn. They all have names. I name them alphabetically to try and keep track of them. <laughs> and I'm in the sixth alphabet now, so that's uh, 150 in all. So um, anyway, Quinn is sitting in the garden on a beautiful piece of tall driftwood, and these sculptures are weatherproof. So uh, I was, I put her out there maybe seven years ago and I'm looking at her right now and she's covered in snow, but she seems quite happy. And um, the only thing, uh, weatherproof is fine, but unfortunately they're not squirrel proof. So during her first winter, a 
Oh, no. <laughs> During her first winter, only the first winter, uh, Squirrel had the audacity to dig out her nose from her face. Um, I must admit, they do look a little bit... Ah! The little oh, no. noses I make are, are actually uh, pins. So the, the nose does look a little bit like a bird buried seed. So, um, but, so the squirrel sort of dug it out thinking he was getting a seed and um, I guess uh, didn't enjoy eating it. <laughs> but I was so shocked to see her completely disfigured. <laughs> the poor girl. So in the spring, I... <laughs> in the spring, because she's permanently uh, fixed outside on this piece of driftwood, I can't just bring her inside very easily. So I took the necessary materials out to the garden to perform a facelift, as well as give Quinn a new hairdo to mask all the squirrel damage. And right now she looks very fine indeed. <laughs> and the squirrels have left her new nose alone. So I guess it wasn't very tasty and the word spread. Um, <laughs> that was <laughs> quite an adventure. So how long have, how long have you been doing these? Um, it's nine years now. I can't believe it. Um, I just love it. I- nine years. and <sighs> yep, Nine years. Part time goes does. so fast, it does. doesn't and it? And I guess um, I make, um, I guess it's turning out to be sort of between 12 and 15 a year. So I don't really sit down and say, oh, I have to make a sculpture once a month. It's um, it's just when it when I have the time and when I enjoy making them i'm i'm a member at two art associations beaconsfield artist association and lakeshore artist association and so i exhibit with them several times a year um, at centennial hall here in the west island and uh, fritz farm which is a lovely location to have uh, an exhibition and um, every september out outside by the lake we have art by the lake which really is a nice way to display my sculptures because they really our indoor outdoor art. Oh, how wonderful! Yeah, if you send me the um, the dates for twenty twenty, if you have them, uh, then I can oh, put good. them on the I'll show notes that. as well. So I think Great. that would be really interesting. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now let's let's um, ask the same question for your okay. oh, family okay. history side because um, I know you from that side. <laughs> so, what's your favorite family, well, family history story? Well, my favorite story is my latest, actually. It's a three-part story. About- my name is Tracy Ariel, and I am Oops. unapologetic. <laughs> my- That's all right. Oh, sorry about that. That's me messing up. Okay. My okay, favorite story, so your favorite story. I'll just take that my part. My favorite <laughs> story is actually my latest. It's a three-part story about Miss Marguerite Lindsay, and she was my grandfather's baby sister, who died tragically when she was only twenty-five years old, um, almost a hundred years ago. Um, my cousin, also a writer in our group, uh, is fond of saying that our ancestors want their stories told. Well, Marguerite's story almost wrote itself. Um, I only had photos of her as a girl in my dusty old boxes of family memorabilia. And then all of a sudden, a research student at Memorial University in St. John's, Newfoundland, read a story that I wrote about her father, where I mentioned her name. And this uh, student must have Googled Marguerite Lindsay's name and came up with um, the story I wrote about her father. And she just wrote me a one-line email saying, where is Marguerite buried? 
And I thought, oh, that's a very strange question indeed. So I answered her, uh, buried here in Montreal, Mount Royal Cemetery in the family plot. But why do you want to know? Um, so she writes back saying, oh, she's a university student um, at Memorial. And uh, she's just doing some research on Marguerite Lindsay and sort of fell down a rabbit hole and wants to learn more about her. And she has all these newspaper clippings about Marguerite's tragedy from all the way back to 1922. Well, that was very exciting. I said, you have research on my aunt, <laughs> my great aunt. So um, she happily, <laughs> that's the part I don't <laughs> like about story writing is the research. So here it was um, all done for me, uh, falling into my lap. So she uh, sent it on to me and I had all these lovely clippings to go on. So I did a little uh, research on my own, and I um, looked up in Cartwright, Labrador, where all, where all this took place. The uh, local um, elementary school there is called Henry Gordon Academy, after Henry Gordon, who uh, was with the Grenfell Mission. And Marguerite Lindsay went as a summer volunteer with the Grenfell Mission and worked under Henry Gordon. So there's the local school named after him. So I um, looked them up and they have a website like everybody does. And I wrote an email to the assistant um, principal or secretary and it was forwarded to someone else. And this, this lady, lovely lady, Ola Anderson, um, got back to me by email and answered a few questions initially. And then she said, would it be all right if she called me? to talk more about Marguerite and um, all the things that have taken place in Cartwright after her demise many years ago. And I said, sure. So uh, Ola calls me up and um, I said, oh, this is so wonderful. Um, um, tell, tell, me, tell me more about uh, what's happening in Cartwright. And she um, said, well, Marguerite's very fondly remembered. Uh, the students are taught about her every year. Um, there's a place where um, Miss Lindsay actually died, and um, it's now called Miss Lindsay's Marsh to this day. Um, there's a plaque at the church. The local church has a plaque remembering her. Um, again, all this from 100 years ago. Um, the students are taught about her. Some students even wrote a poem. <laughs> the grade four students wrote a poem about her. And then she said... Oh, do you know a song was written about her? Would you like me to play it for you over the phone? I couldn't believe it. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, so, um, she put the so song funny. on, and it was um, sort of a Gordon Lightfoot sounding voice um, telling a story, and it was all about Marguerite. And his name is um, um, just a second, I've forgotten. Anyway, it's a lovely, lovely tribute to her. And then um, at the end, she's saying, she says to me, I can't believe I'm talking to a descendant of Marguerite Lindsay. And I thought, wow, thank you. I just, I felt so special that this woman was so well remembered in her short little 25 year life. She's left such a legacy in this uh, small community of Cartwright Lab Labrador. And I was just, I was in awe of what she told me was what had happened. And she was in awe of talking to a descendant. So uh, we've kept in touch, needless to say. And uh, it was it was all very special all around. I had very little to do except write the story. So I, I made the story into three parts. 
Three stories, yeah. Yeah, well, three because, stories. Yeah, and, and you'll yeah. know why, because all three stories have been published on the Genealogy Ensemble website, um, which uh, I don't know if I should reiterate. The Genealogy Ensemble is a group of nine women who meet monthly to write stories about their ancestors. And uh, a little while ago, we even published a book of our stories a couple of years ago called Beads in a Necklace. And you can get more information on all that on our website. And have, uh, if you really want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'll also link to in the story. Okay. I'll, I'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. Cause it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, um, I think my listeners know about genealogy on some, but I do like to remind them every now and yeah, then. <laughs> I think it's a really amazing group. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, becoming a writer through with the genealogy writers? Yes. I, mean, I it's, think it uh, it's been, been a long time. time. We've been um, together now. Well, my cousin is one of the writers, Janice Hamilton is one of the writers and, uh, she's been doing this a long time and has, um, is, is actually a professional writer and was a journalist. And uh, so she and I were in touch, but not, not very closely. She's a distant cousin. And I don't know, somehow I think it was through um, um, Quebec genealogy uh, group and they started a writing group. And I have um, in my possession, um, the, I'm the very lucky recipient of this beautiful, wonderful boxes and boxes of, of, dusty old boxes, I call them, of family memorabilia. And I knew they were special, and I knew I had to do something with them someday. And uh, this was the per- perfect little push I needed. So um, I think she's right. Our ancestors do want their stories told. So I started this, joined this group, and I was one of, I guess, I guess we're nine now. But um, at the time, there were a few more, and all levels of writing. And um, I wrote a story, and away we went. And uh, it's been wonderful ever since. The wonderful bunch of uh, women. Um, we're still all part of the group, still all writing our stories. And I'm making my way through the dusty old boxes happily. And um, I think the next generations will be pleased that somebody did something with them. <laughs> uh- Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sure they will. I mean, uh, and especially when it's such a, a joy to read. Um, and, and the thing about Margaret's story is that it's so hard to find any rec- any documents or any anything about women from an earlier time. It's almost as if they were hidden by all the officialdom, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yep. to the point where they were called Mrs. whatever their husband's name was. <laughs> Not very many people have, you know, that much information about what they're what they were about. So I definitely encourage listeners to listen to the to to read those three parts of that story. Um, can now can we talk a little bit about sure. some of the struggles that you've had as an artist? I mean, um, in terms of uh, on both sides, so you can start with okay. whichever one well, you want. Continue with the uh, writing. It's not all easy. These this this kind of well, with the, with uh, production writing, is not okay. So talk about maybe a story okay, well, you've been able the, um, to write or, or one that you struggled with. Uh, the one I remember most struggling with, with was um, uh, Marguerite's father, Robert Lindsay. Um, he was a stockbroker uh, in Montreal, and so, um, but I didn't have much more in the way of information. I knew where he lived. I knew his family. I knew his, his descendants and his, and his parents because that's all part of my family tree. But it was kind of dry. Writing about a stockbroker isn't very interesting. Um, so actually, uh, with help from the writers 
group, which we always help each other. Uh, one of the writers uh, suggested um, looking up to see what was happening in Montreal during the time he was a broker and in the, in the world, but mostly Montreal because these are Montreal-based stories. So I did a bit of that and, and found a little more information to put in the story, but it was kind of um, just missing. We always like to try and find something exciting about our ancestors and start the story like that with a little oomph to get the reader excited to read the rest. But there is not much oomph to my um, um, Marguerite's father, who is my great-great-grandfather. Um, so I, uh, I decided just to fill in the, the last paragraph with his children and named them all and what they did. Uh, he had two, he had a, uh, a son who was a doctor, one who was, uh, who was my grandfather. He was a priest. Um, these are all stories that are on genealogy ensemble too. That would be the Anglican priest, the story. Um, he had another son who was also a broker. So, um, and then I went on to name the women, like you say, they're not always, um, first and foremost in family history, but, uh, Marguerite's name got mentioned in that story and lo and behold, it unraveled into this wonderful adventure so everything happens for a reason (laughs) (laughs) and so how many stories would you say that you've uh i don't think i've completed now from those boxes no i don't know do you know I know that um, I get every now and then, like oh. I just got not that long ago, saying you've oh, posted well, fifty times that, on genealogy and psalm, so I sort of have a rough idea. But um, <laughs> so what about your most challenging right. failure? Um, well, on, I already told an, you about a, Quinn, and that wasn't my artist. failure. That was the squirrel doing his damage. But a failure. I know, but a failure. Um, that squirrel. Again, I don't. I think of these as opportunities, not so much failures. But just recently, actually, it, um, he's still down in my in my studio. I had a sculpture I made this summer, and I don't often do um, men or boys. I like to do women because it's much more fun making uh, frilly dresses and sweeping scarves and and hairdos and things so um i don't often do males but every now and then i will and um i made his name was jay for jacob and jacob did not really pull any heartstrings i can't believe he actually left the studio ever and i displayed him um the last show in outside with the art by the lake and i was not pleased to have to look at him so i thought all right i have to do something to you jacob I brought him down to the studio, and if you heat up <laughs> these sculptures, it's quite interesting. Um, although they look like bronze, they certainly aren't bronze. They don't; they're not heavy like bronze, and it's not nearly the work involved with a bronze sculpture. So, if you uh, warm the um, material up with uh, a hair dryer, even when it's been wrapped around the wire armature, the material will soften. And you know underneath is a wire, so you can move the sculpture somewhat, not not 180 degrees or anything, but you can lift arms and change positions and do a little of this and a little of that. So um, down went Jacob onto into the studio, onto the workbench, and um, I had, I'm not sure when the idea came. Again, their personalities sort of jump out at you eventually, so I didn't like him, and I kept 
thinking what he could be instead of what he was. He was just sitting there holding something. It was kind of boring. Anyway, I'm not sure of the process, but all of a sudden, um, Jacob has turned into the Joker. Another J, because I had to stay in J for the So Jacob is now the Joker. And he is delightful. He is, he's wonderful. He's sitting on his perch because Jake, that's where Jacob was. I can't change too much of that, but he's holding a scepter and he's wearing a jester hat and he's got pointy shoes on his feet and he's very whimsical, which is, I guess, um, my signature. So, uh, Jake, Joker, Jacob, Joker, Joker, Jacob is, uh, almost uh, ready to leave the studio again and be shown in the next art exhibition in April. So um, that's, that's, but more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he's, he's, he's got a place in my heart yeah, you now. So I'm not really sure you can why. Stand uh, looking at now. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, he, he's, um, he's special now. Whimsical. And he's one of my few males that I have done. So I can go back to my females now. <laughs> done the token male. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so do you have some tips for other craftspeople like yourself? Um, I mean, uh, now that you've sort of created a life of a uh, dual craft, two, two different, very extremely different crafts. Um, um, is there anything that connects I'm them actually sure. before I'm, we talk I was about thinking, tips actually, for others? I'm, believe it or not, my next letter in the alphabet is M. And I made this lovely um, female sculpture and I didn't really have Marguerite Lindsay in mind, but, um, and it's not really someone, she doesn't look like um, someone back from the 1920s who worked as a teacher and a missionary, a mission up in Cartwright, Labrador. She looks, she's way more elegant and uh, um, floaty. And, but I think I'll, I think I'll name her Marguerite. So that's linking the two together, sort of. Um, I don't think I could really make a sculpture of Marguerite the way oh. uh, she might have been as a missionary school teacher. So I don't think it would have much whimsy. So, um, but I will use her name in this late, latest sculpture um, to tribute tribute to her and the story that just got written. So that's linking them together. Ah, oh, okay. In terms of um, in terms of craft, like, do you find that doing one craft helps you um, put effort into the other one? Are they linked in any um, way? I, I think in terms it's of, uh, um, uh, your own action. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's nice to have like, one or the other to it, go to, and and just give yourself a little break or a little uh, change of uh, scene, and um, um, they don't really overlap. I, I might keep them in mind. No, they don't really overlap. But um, for there's so many different ways to create, especially artistically. My goodness. Um, in my past, uh, before I found this medium, which I just adore, um, I painted, I stenciled, I quilted, and, and, and much more. I did all kinds of things in the past many, many years. I was always doing something artistic. And at the time, I threw myself into it and made many of them, and I would go to shows and sell them. And um, then all of a sudden I would just say, get almost like I was saturated and thought, okay, enough. And I would just pull the plug and uh, not really go back to them. Although quilting, 
I do from time to time, but not not like I did when I was pursuing it as um, a real a real um, priority. But uh, anybody out there with all these lovely, lovely uh, workshops available to us, uh, there's you can learn how to do anything. And ideally, just find something you're passionate about, and you'll it will show in your work. So I think that's what I finally did with this um, medium and this uh, Paratex fabric hardener textile sculptures. Um, it it did pull all my other experiences, artistic experiences, into it. So I um. It was all meant to be, I guess. Um, my sculptures, like I said, um, people people like to say they're whimsical, which which I I love as a compliment. Oh, wonderful! And um, other other comments have been, oh, they look so happy, and they look like siblings. They look related to each other. Well, that must be the little part of me coming through in each of them, because everybody. Can, like any artist, you can all do, you can use the same mediums, but your your results will always be different because it's you creating. So I kind of like that all these um, sculptures all sort of look related. They're, they're like my family. <laughs> and I'm their creator, but there's a little bit of me in them. So um, it's, uh, it is definitely my passion. <laughs> but then once you have this passion, Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. oh, so that's, that's like right. another link there. there your I hadn't your creative link, family right. and, yeah. and you're also documenting but, your um, this passion family. of mine. <laughs> this artistic passion of mine has taken over um, the house decor. <laughs> so um, they are everywhere. And so uh, as an artist of any kind, you have to find an outlet to share, share it with the world. So again, I have my two art associations um, with their uh, semi-annual exhibitions but there are um, art shows all over the island of Montreal, especially at Christmas time. But uh, the juried ones are the best. So you, your art is being shown with other, um, need, need I, I, I guess I can say quality art so that you're not um, competing with uh, maybe um, Christmas decorations made by the church ladies or something. But they're beautiful too. <laughs> um, galleries. And- yeah. Yeah. Um, galleries and gift shops um, will often sell yeah, your art for you for a commission. <laughs> so you just have to uh, uh, peddle your wares. Um, and recently, two of my artist friends have suggested that we exhibit outside the Montreal area because um, you, you, it's, it's, it gets somewhat saturated with all these uh, art associations. So we're looking for uh, we have a few exciting possibilities in Quebec and Ontario area. So stay tuned and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of yeah. oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah, so you'll be doing a bit of traveling this year. That's that's very cool. Um, um so then my uh-huh. last question, as well, always, um, is, yes, uh, do most you definitely. Consider yourself a Canadian, um, and what does I can that mean trace to you? several branches of my family tree on both sides of the family back to the 17th century. Uh, my ancestors came from England, Ireland, and Scotland, and settled in Montreal, as well as Kingston, Ontario, and Shediac, New Brunswick areas. So uh, a few years ago, my sister and I went on t- two trips, what we call sister pilgrimages. Uh, One was to Shediac, New Brunswick, 
and one was to Kingston, Ontario, to look up uh, historical family connections and and sort of travel down memory lane. And it was wonderful. We, we met new cousins. We found family names and gra- grave sites. We saw a few ancestral homes still standing. And uh, we even attended a church service um, in the church built by my three times great-grandfather, William Hannington. That's in Shediac, New Brunswick. And um, we were there on a Sunday. So we went to uh, around 10 o'clock, we went to the church for early morning service. And we walked in and a lovely lady greeted us. And we asked her, are there any Hanningtons here? Um, We're Hannington descendants. And we'd like to know if there are any other Hanningtons here. So she just said, oh, just a minute. And then she looked down the uh, church aisle and beckoned to this gentleman who came forward and she said, um, these ladies would like to meet um, a Hannington descendants. And so he put out his hand and said, Alan Hannington, nice to meet you. And so he is, I forget the exact connection, but he is a, a distant cousin. And I think we threw our arms around him and gave him a big hug, <laughs> which, which must have surprised him. <laughs> Why these two, I think they're pretty blonde girls, just threw themselves at him. <laughs> anyway, it was a lovely service. And afterwards, he invited us <laughs> to um, come back to their place for iced tea on the porch. And they introduced us to his sister, who is the family genealogist. And she had she was excited to meet us too. And it was just um, very special all around. And I wrote that into a story called Sister Pilgrimage. And that's on Genealogy Ensemble as well. Um, so that's but, but all the maritime provinces are very close to my heart. The scenery is so impressive and the people are so friendly <laughs> and their music is great. I could easily live in the maritimes. Um, so that's the, that's the eastern part of Canada. Um, my husband and I traveled to Winnipeg a couple of years ago where, where his uh, ancestors settled so. and where he grew up. And so he showed me around. And that was uh, um, something I'd never seen before, uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba. So that was uh, very special, and uh, it, it, there are his roots. So again, I guess travel produces stories, because I wrote a story like Father Like Son, which is also on Genealogy Ensemble, and I believe Tracy helped me with that one. So thank you, Tracy. But uh, that was just lovely to see him. <laughs> it was lovely to see him explore his you know, childhood homes, and this is where he went to school, <laughs> and this is where he, he hung out with his little buddies and and got into trouble and it was just it was a wonderful um to experience genealogy from his side or his side of the family so that was lovely and um just i'm just i guess i'm going east to west in canada so i'm just telling you my 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 why i'm um think of myself as a canadian and why i'm so proud to be a canadian so when we were in new zealand a few years ago um all we could do we were just so impressed by the scenery there it was just spectacular the mountain ranges and the the greenery and it just it, it kept reminding us of alberta especially ja- jasper and banff and uh so there we were in this beautiful new zealand thinking of home canada and and uh that was kind of interesting so um that's uh alberta and 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 continuing uh west we uh, used to visit my elderly aunt in beautiful victoria bc before she moved to ottawa 10 years ago 
and uh, Victoria is just uh, really, really special and um, a little, um, well, royal because uh, I guess it's you've got the Empress Hotel and the afternoon teas, and it does seem um, quite British compared to the the rest of Canada. But um, this wonderful aunt, um, this wonderful aunt is now ninety nine years old and living in Ottawa, where we can visit her more often. And uh, of course, <laughs> I wrote a story about her, and you can read that on Genealogy Ensemble. It's called My Formidable Tante Marie. Um, so my experience, yeah, we just, we just, uh, had lunch with her oh, recently for her 99th birthday and my sister brought a little red we wine in a flask <laughs> because she really enjoys her red wine, but it's not served where she lives. <laughs> so she brought a little flask, she brought a little flask for her 99th birthday and offered it to her and, and said, Tante Marie, would you like a little red oh, wine? No. And she just looked at her and said, pourquoi pas? Now I say this because she's, she's, she's not French, but she's always enjoyed, um, she, she was in theater. If you read the story, she was theatrical and she still <laughs> is to this day. So that was the perfect answer to, would you like a little nip of red wine? Pourquoi pas? <laughs> so... <laughs> well, I know. So, my experience um, is that it, Canadians are so, so well received so wherever Canadian, they travel, and everyone like, loves us. It, it really makes me feel special. Many to, experiences to in one. Just have that um, that acceptance. That's that. That's the the my experience anyway. And being Canadian uh, means four different seasons, which encourages a healthy, active lifestyle, especially winter sports, which not everybody. Not many places have the winter that we do. So skiing, both kinds of skiing, snowshoeing, sledding, skating. Um, that's uh, pretty special in our winter season. And nothing can beat the fall leaves and their colorful canopy in the um, in the fall. But also uh, to me, being yeah, being a Canadian also means maple syrup which is kind of uh, corny, but oh, it, uh, it works wherever you go. People say, oh, you, you have lovely maple syrup. And I guess Northern Vermont does as well. But being Canadian means maple syrup to me and a whole array of international cuisines that we have now made our own, which is lovely. And being a Canadian means it means uh, endless opportunities and the freedom to choose what you want to do with your life. <laughs> and being Canadian is special, and it makes me proud to be a sixth or seventh generation Canadian. And I want to give a very special thank you to my ancestors for their courage to set out on their life-changing adventure to the new land so many years ago. My pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. That's perfect. I really appreciate your time. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.